Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Oh, and 14. Woo! Let's go. Go Browns. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. In line for two top five picks. Oh, tell me more. Speak it. Whisper it into my ear, Matthew. Oh, I'm excited. Um, so our podcast, we are sponsored by Barbershaw. Barbasol. Whoa. Man, Barbershaw, you just pulled a Trump with the dentures. Barbershaw, <laughs> the, the United States of America. Um, wait, no, we have to. Why do you buy Barbershaw? No, we have to move on. We can't associate those two things together. We care about Barbasol. Um, so let's talk about the game for now. Um, yeah. Let's talk about, we, we lost again. Um, it was a huge disappointment, as it always is. But that's what we expected. Um I want to talk about the fact we Hugh Jackson's play calling. Honestly, this week it bothered me just like it did last week. I just I'm absolutely fed up with him. Maybe I'm just not giving him any grace, um, or maybe it's actually a real problem. Did you what, guys? I mean, what what was your issue exactly? I'm well, not sure. Okay, so after we got the lead seven to three, we only ran the ball four more times the entire game. That's pretty bad. Hugh Jackson said. At the beginning of this year, when he was talking about what he wanted this team to be over and over and over and over again, he said that I want to be a balanced offense. We're going to run the ball the same amount of times we pass the ball. We got up seven to three and then we just threw the ball the entire rest of the game. We only ran the ball four more times. I saw that and I didn't believe it. It's ridiculous. Uh, It's pretty hard to defend that. I was going to defend him because I didn't feel like he had done anything too poorly, but only four more rushes. I mean, I think that was what that was the second quarter at that point when we were up, and yeah, yeah. it's hard to hard to come back from. Yeah, it was either second will, quarter or early first. What's I mean, that? I will say, I will say that he we had those turnovers and it kind of piled on quickly, and all of a sudden then we had a pretty big deficit. And normally when that happens, yeah, you end up passing the ball more than you run the ball, and that's kind of understandable. Um, but still, that's not the balance you want to see. But here's the thing I noticed this week, especially when I was watching other games. I was watching the San Francisco game, um, and I was even this game in Baltimore, and I see these offenses where they don't have great players. Like, San Francisco's offense has nobody who's any good. You can say they have Jimmy Garoppolo now running the show, and that's great, but we have – three or four playmakers on our team that are better than anybody that um, San Francisco or Baltimore runs out. And yet they move the ball and they're scoring points. And our skill position players. Yeah. Hugh Jackson just cannot work with what we have, which seems inexcusable because I feel like we have pretty decent pieces. Right. I feel like Hugh Jackson can't work with anybody. He can't work with the players. Like where, where in this like contract with Hugh Jackson is something going right. Like, honestly, I can't. What is he doing well? What is he doing well for the Cleveland Browns? That would merit him winning over the owner. Yeah. And that's about all that you can say. That's the only reason he has a job. It's true. He is doing that really well. But what kills me about Hugh Jackson and that it hasn't worked out is that when we hired him, it was a great move. Like, and everybody said it was a great move. Like, the Giants were looking to hire him when we hired him. Oh, yeah. Like, everybody in the league who had an opening was interviewing Hugh Jackson. And when we got him, it seemed like a coup. 
Man, it is just something about the Browns. You just can't be successful here. You can't. Run away. Leave. Don't do I it. I mean, it's hard to say when there's no, like, legitimate talent at quarterback. But even still, like, part one of the things that everyone hung their hat on with Hugh Jackson was his ability to tailor the offense to the talent that he has, which is exactly, Matthew, what you're pointing out that he seemingly has not done during his tenure here in Cleveland. And that's the part that kills me is you look at a Duke Johnson, a David Njoku, a Josh Gordon, a Corey Coleman. Like these are players that can make plays if you scheme appropriately and we're not doing it. And look at doing it. Like look at New York and what Evan Ingram's doing in New York. He was drafted around the same time as Njoku, like similar pass catching tight end pass first, like isn't a blocking tight end. And he's so good. And he was good even before OBJ went down. Like the way in which other teams are able to utilize their weapons is so different than the way we are. I, I don't think Najoku had a catch this week. No, I don't he even did. remember he if he had a target. I think he had one target, and it was a terribly thrown pass, which uh, we saw a lot of this week. Actually, a lot of terribly thrown passes. Yeah, Deshaun Kaiser went twenty for thirty-seven. He had two interceptions. Uh, a Q- and a, a QBR, big a QBR of ten point six. Good stuff. <laughs> oh. That's on the. <laughs> Goodness uh, gracious! It's kind of hard to be that bad, honestly. Ten point six. So the so the throw to me from Deshaun Kaiser this week that really summed up the week was the uh, just before. So we were down seventeen points. The game was seemingly out of reach. But we it was the beginning of the fourth quarter, and we drove down, and it was just before his interception that we designed a screen pass to Duke Johnson, and he took a quick three-step drop and went to throw the screen pass to Duke Johnson, and it was literally five yards short of his feet. Nobody was around him, and it just hit the ground. And it was yeah, it was like, to throw up your arm. It was there like was a n- screen, or it was in the flat, and it was so bad. It was so so bad well there was also that point on our second drive where and those weren't exactly deshaun kaiser's fault but i'm going to go back to hugh jackson's play calling or there's just something missing where our first two plays on our second drive were two pass plays for negative 10 yards we threw a screen to to crow and then can we stop throwing the ball to him like why would we throw why would we throw the ball to Isaiah Crowell. Throw it to Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson on that first down play, if he had caught the ball, I guarantee you it would have been a first down or we would have at least gotten seven yards. Crowell has no ability to catch the ball and then move upfield. He can't change direction at all without completely stopping. You even, you even saw on his long run he when he made that cut. Oh he lost goodness. all of his momentum making that cut. Almost any other running back in the league, that would have been a touchdown. It was wide open. Yeah. It was unbelievable. He is, like, absolutely killing me. It looks like he has weights on his ankles when he's trying to run. It takes him so long to get going. Like, if he catches the ball out in the flat, like, he stops. There's no quickness whatsoever. Yeah, Because he can't accelerate quickly. Like, there is no bounce in his step. It is unbelievable. Is he getting fat? He has to have this whole, like— What's his BMI at? Do we have an Eddie Lacy situation going on right now? I don't know what his deal is. But, like, honestly, what is his future in the NFL? Like, I, I, he's our feature back right now, but who's going to pay him any significant sum of money to get any, like, decent carries? He's going to be backing somebody up next year. There's no way he's no. going to get a starting job. Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know what who's gonna look to sign him. He'll get a a deal from somebody, but it'll probably be a prove a prove it deal. Uh, maybe maybe out in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. That that was when he was best. Was was when he was in in that offense back but in twenty fourteen. Different, but, yeah. And back in that I offense, mean, he is more of a zone runner. Like, uh, see see where he's going, make one cut, and then just go. But like, and lower your he head down just into does the safeties. Not have a whole. Oh, kills me. And That's then why are you scheming in... passes? Like, so those aren't just like, oh, nothing's open. We're gonna dump it off to our running back. No, we it's planned a, that. This play is designed to be thrown to Isaiah Crowell, and that's why Kaiser was forcing it in there on those back-to-back passes you talked about, Mark. Yeah, well, it was, it was, a, it was a screen. Like the guard and tackle pulled over there, and they were out there in front of them, kind of missed the blocks, but also Isaiah Crowell wasn't doing himself any favors, standing still, like moving his torso, but not his legs. All right. So yeah, but- did you see? Did you see Crow's final stat line on uh, the receiving end? <laughs> no. It was four catches from Make- minus seven yards. <laughs> Average of minus 1.8 per reception. <laughs> that, that, that's incredible. All right. In in Hugh Jackson's defense, like... No. A wide rec- or a running back screen like is a safe play that normally goes for a positive yardage. Like... Sure. Um, and even on that crow play, like I blame the offensive line. They yeah. they missed like there were two offensive linemen that like missed blocks, didn't engage their D linemen, and like let them get out there. Um, I don't like throwing it to Crowell, but if you've got Kaiser who can't hit an open receiver or is getting his passes batted down at the line, or even um, when Kaiser got stripped and they recovered for a touchdown, like you've got Greco, not Greco. Drango playing left tackle and he's getting beat off the line. Drango just got owned. Like you've got to do something quick and easy. Like, I don't know what else he can do. No, if Kaiser can't make the throw and our left tackle can't block. Yeah. I don't blame Kaiser for the strip sack at all. And our offensive line, uh, we're missing Joe Thomas super badly for sure. I don't, it's, it wasn't his fault, but if you're Hugh Jackson and you're trying to play call, like call plays to put them in a situation to succeed, Knowing that your left tackle is getting beat, knowing yeah. that Kaiser's struggling, a screen is not a bad call. But the problem is, it's like Isaiah Crowell is not good at catching a screen and going for yards. He's not good at catching the ball, changing directions. But he's your starting field. running back, so like either, either like Duke Johnson needs to be the starter and play every down, or we need somebody else in there. I just like, don't that's like, who you throw the running back screen to is your running back. I don't understand the system where like why can't Duke Johnson go in there on a first down for like a drive or a play? Like their personnel packages, like. You can, if you're the head coach, you have the ability to know what you want to do with your players and what your players can do best. And Isaiah Crowell cannot catch the ball and run upfield. Duke played Duke a bunch can. in this game. He did. It was great to see. He played more than he has in a lot of recent weeks. And he had more carries um, than that was good. Crowell. Seven. Which has to be the first time this year that that's happened. That Johnson's had more carries than Crowell. Crowell did yeah. have more yards because he broke out that one fifty-nine yarder. But he, Crowell only had 72 yards, and he had one 60-yard run. So other than that, he had 12 yards per run. Or 12 so yards to in me, his other four runs. I don't know about you guys, but to me, this game, like it felt like we were close. Like I honestly don't think I've been more excited this year than when we got that fourth down stop at oh, the beginning of the game. Yeah. No, I, was, I was more excited last week when we were up by 21 or 14 no, points. No, I wasn't. <laughs> 
I'm I still feel terrible when we have a lead because I feel like we just there's no way we're gonna be able to hold it and that's actually that's proven to be true. No, yeah, but just I'm, that fourth I'm with down you. stop and I'm, we were right there on the goal line. They were right there on the goal line. We stopped them in four straight. No, plays. that, like, that, that fourth down stop was amazing. That for, the first down play was Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco where he got yep. crushed Pounded. and he almost scored. Second yep. down play was an incredible defensive play by Kirksey on the tight end yep. um, playing the ball. Third down, yep. we stuffed the run up the middle. Caleb Brantley and I think it was um, uh, Brantley owned that. Brantley's those, so yeah, good at those it. short yardage goal line situations. Brantley just like flips some switch. He killed it, and he just goes ape. And like, then it's great. And then fourth down, Burgess is in his element when he's playing only the run. Like yeah, when he dude can just can, go downhill, dude yeah. can play the run. Yeah, like the best of them. It's when he has to play pass coverage and he's pretty terrible inept um uh, that was incredible and then the next play is that crow really made 60 that play? you know who really made that play carl massive stretched stop? it out nassib yeah nassib no, owned the line of scrimmage on that play and pushed the tackle way out and made collins go wide and it completely opened it up for burgess to fly in there and make the play that yeah. was nassib's play more than anybody's yeah that's awesome i'm excited for nassib like he's not fast. He's not like ridiculously athletic. He's not exceptional at anything. He's not exceptional at anything except for hustle. He's an exceptional <laughs> hustler. He's got uh, that. Like if you're gonna be a white boy and you're gonna succeed in the NFL, you he, have to have JJ Watt hustle. Is he the Danny Woodhead of defensive ends? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Real student of the game. No, that's, I'm with you, Mark. He's a rotational defensive end. Yeah, yeah, and it's a bit like that's also like the energy that you need to come in every once in a while, and that brings everyone else up. Like it's, I, I'm, I, I'm underwhelmed by him a lot of times, but a lot of times I'm excited, and I don't want to get rid of him. He's doing a good job playing the run. It seems like I think he's improved against the run and setting the edge. In recent weeks, as he's gotten more playing time, I think he's done well, and he's done a great job always of using his length to bat down passes. Like, yeah, he, he has. bats down more which, passes than Which he has else. to do because he never gets the quarterback <laughs> yeah. because he doesn't have the speed. He doesn't, like, really have the power. He's, no. he, he's like a he's – he's a defensive end with a power move that's not that good. No, it's and legitimate. If he you, doesn't have the speed, he's so – like, He can't get low enough. He never, does, he never has leverage. So, yeah. like, he tries to, like, use power, but he's never low enough to actually make any difference. I guess if he ever could get low enough and actually get that extension. The horrible dude the horrible just... thing is when he does get around the tackle, he beats him, and then the quarterback is faster than him and just runs away. <laughs> like <laughs> that's happened multiple times. Um he's, But yeah, he's that play was great. I like no, having him on our team as the third or fourth defensive end. I'd like to be able to yell like, Let's go, Carl. Like I like those names. Like, let's go I- <laughs> let's go Isaiah. Like it used to be Gary. Like every time Gary made a good play, Gary Barnage, I'd be like, Gary, our main man. I can always count on Gary. Gary's our real playmaker. Now we have some Joes <laughs> yeah. on defense. Just like the most like homeschooled white Christian like kid ever names. Carl. Carl. Isaiah. <laughs> Isaiah is the most white name I've ever heard. So obviously Deshaun Kaiser was to blame for three of our four uh turnovers in this game. And those were huge. Each one of those was huge. But to me, the the fumble by Duke Johnson was really like the straw that broke the camel's back. I felt like we were in this game and could easily win this game up until the point that Duke fumbled that ball. And then they followed up with the Ben Watson touchdown. Yeah, like, that, that's really that fumble, we were, we were going 
driving, attempting at least to tie the game before the half, before that fumble happened. And uh, yep. it seems like we have a play like that every week, though, right? Where we're like in the game, we're in the game, and then we shoot ourselves in the foot. I don't understand why the larger media narrative doesn't seem to be like talking about like outside the of the turnover Browns, differential, the turnover differential. Like people are complaining about Deshaun Kaiser, but they're not pointing to like the turnover piece of what's going on. Like you, no team is going to win any games with a minus 25 turnover differential. Like it is, we haven't been on the positive side of the turnover differential the entire season. The worst part about that is, is there was a point in the season where we were the only team who had forced a turnover in every single game. Like we have had up until like week like fifteen, I think it was, or or thirteen, we had like forced a turnover in every single game, and yet we're still minus twenty five. Which I don't. So feel that's like, at least thirteen turnovers. So, and that's kind of crazy because I don't feel like we force a lot of turnovers. No, it's, at least it's one. my biggest complaint about the Greg Williams defense is he talks about how you have to he wants to have an aggressive defense and get after the ball, but, but he we doesn't don't. set up the defense that way. He like blitzes and then leaves the middle of the field wide open so the quarterback can just dump it down and have a safe play. Like I, that's I, not setting up for turnovers. No, I believe that he wants to get turnovers, but it's not <laughs> happening, and so that that's part of the reason why like it hasn't been effective. Is because you're you're trying to get after the quarterback and force quick passes into tight windows or strip sacks, like whatever, but it's just not happening, and so it's not working. Yeah, so here's a question. I hear a lot of people complaining about the Browns linebackers, and I feel like going into this season, we all would have said we feel pretty darn good about the Browns linebackers, like with Jamie Collins and Christian mm-hmm. Kirksey, them both locked up for a long term. Losing like, Jamie Collins for most think, of the season has been brutal. Yes, that has not helped. But even when he was in there, I don't feel like – and it was a, only a few games because he missed all the time with concussion before he got hurt. But the coverage the, has just been quite poor. Yeah, the coverage the has been awful, but the way that they've played the run has been ridiculous. I think Christian Kirksey and Joe Schobert are two and three for most like run stops. And most tackles. Most tackles. Well, here's, the thing. here's my question, though. Like, Do you think it's the talent at linebacker, or do you think it's the scheme that the linebackers are being asked to run? Because I seriously I, I think it's the scheme. Know. Yeah. Because I don't you know s- that it's the talent as much as the scheme. Because you see it every play. And I mean, it's, I mean, the Tampa 2 that Greg Williams runs. As soon as the ball is snapped, Joe Schobert just vacates the middle of the field to go 20 yards deep and opens it up. And then you're asking your two linebackers who are there, if they're not blitzing, to cover the space that was previously covered by three people. Or sometimes Danny Shelton. Or sometimes Danny Shelton dropping was, back. Larry Ogunjobi. Yeah, yeah. One of Benjamin Watson's like twenty-yard uh, receptions was Danny Shelton just was trying to cover, <laughs> hustling back there. He's backpedaling and like, like Ben Watson is just running full speed straight ahead. Like yeah. Danny Shelton backpedaling is never going to get anywhere close. I get, I get the idea of a zone blitz, but if you're going to zone blitz, like you have to get home untouched. Like you have to get to the quarterback untouched if you're going to drop Danny Shelton in coverage. Because or, and Danny Shelton needs to be in a shallow coverage. He can't be covering like a a mid to deep zone. Like yeah. the so, safeties are so far back that Danny Shelton has to go so yeah. deep 
like past where You're the right. linebackers already were. It's ridiculous. It can't be done. Right. It's impossible. Yeah. He's like a hockey no. goalie. I mean, he he just basically yeah. is that's cover, his job. covering his space and that's yeah. that's like it. He would actually be a great hockey goalie. You just plop <laughs> him in un- front. Unstoppable. You plop him in front of a hockey goal. I don't see how they could get past. <laughs> I really don't. I've always said that. Is that I don't watch a lot of hockey, but is that a ridiculous assessment? If you take a ginormous man, I've seen people that are bigger than a hockey goal. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you pay them enough money, I'm certain that they would sit there and take pucks. <laughs> just kidding. Like, I feel like Shelton wouldn't even need pads. Uh, yeah, he's, he's got enough padding. Just put a face mask and do it. <laughs> I really, I really think that that's. I, I don't know. Tell me if, tell me if I'm wrong. I really don't. But it's just, I, I do. To go to your question, I do think it's scheme, Michael. That's yeah. But like, I mean, that's the way I'm inclined too. I just hear a bunch of people saying we need to take a, you know, a linebacker early in the draft, and I'm not so sure that that's the case. Like. I think we need more depth at linebacker. I think we've yep. seen that we're hurting a little bit since Burgess has to play just about every down. But I don't. I think the top three of Schobert, Kirksey, and Collins is pretty darn solid. And I don't if think we could Burgess get a little more is that bad of a there, four. It's just now that the yeah. four has to play. So it goes. Well, and remember, remember, Tank Carter was supposed to be our middle linebacker. Like he was supposed to be in this in this rotation. There's the no the way Tank Carter is better than Joe Schobert. I don't think so either. There's no way. He wasn't uh, in the preseason, even before he got no. hurt. Schobert's been great. There's, uh, but it would be nice to have him. T- how long because Schobert, Schobert could move to the outside and Carter could play in the middle and we'd have more depth. How long has yep. Tank Carter been on our team? Like This is his seventh season, I thought. It's been so I long. Carter, I think Carter is our second most tenured player behind Joe Thomas. That's awesome. Um, so it goes back to the original question, though. Like, Is the problem the coaching um, or is it the talent? Like it's either that like Hugh Jackson and Greg Williams are doing a miserable job with this team and, and that that's why we're losing all these games or all of these players are not as good as we think they are. Like we're like projecting false hope on all of these young players that we have and they don't have as much as potential as we're trying to believe. And like, how do you make that distinction of like which one it is? I mean, I know we've talked about it before, but like, it's tough, but like, give me a reason why I should believe that Greg Williams and Hugh Jackson are doing a good job. Like Hugh Jackson, he went eight and eight in Oakland, which is fine, but he's come here and I haven't seen a whole lot for two years. He's been an offensive coordinator and done fine, but those teams underachieved. Greg Williams won a lot of games when he was in new orleans when sean payton was the head coach and they had drew Brees, and they scored a crap ton of points on offense (laughs) and like the defense was good enough and was fine and maybe maybe this scheme works when you have an offense that scores a bunch of points but then he went to tennessee and he wasn't nearly as good he went to la and it wasn't nearly as good and those teams lost a ton of football games and you can say it's the jeff fisher stink which fair but i don't know that yeah, I mean, I don't know that Greg Williams necessarily deserves like the plaudits of being considered like a top level coach in this league. Yeah, but it's crazy how Greg Williams and Hugh Jackson have consistently been like, "Well, well, look at the players. What am I supposed to do with this?" Like, I couldn't, I couldn't see 
That's just so ridiculous to me because I look at the players and I think, holy crap, you have Josh Gordon, who is Antonio Brown level player. Like you have David Njoku, who's a freak athlete wide receiver. Duke Johnson, who can shake anyone and never gets tackled by the first guy. He's, like, he's the, the first guy in NFL history as a running back to have 500 yards receiving in his first three years. Herschel Walker did it, actually. Oh, can you okay. imagine? Just like, can Still, you imagine? I'll, I'll be on yeah, par with yeah, Herschel yeah. Walker. That's fine. Yeah, Duke and Herschel Walker. Can you imagine if Sean McVay was our our head coach? Oh, my gosh. We'd, like, oh, we would, we'd be putting up that, I 40 points a game just like the Rams did. I know! Gosh, I know. I know we could. Uh, that's what we need. Me. We need a young, offensive-minded somebody. Who is that? I don't know. That's what, that's what I wanted to talk about. Who do we yeah. think could possibly fill that role? There's. What's crazy is, like, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. Like, Chidzinski, I think, is going to be a name, will be one of the next, like, young guys to get a head coaching job again. And, I mean, he's been around, but... There's no way he comes back to work for Jimmy Haslam because um, he got screwed the first time. I think the name that most people respect the most um, from the offensive side is what's-his-face from New England. Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels. Um, Todd Haley, maybe, in Pittsburgh, ready for a second go. It's been a long time since he's been a head coach, to be honest. Yeah. Um, He's not. That definitely doesn't fit the young. Like, it doesn't fit the young up and coming. But he's he's working a really successful offense. I I would argue that they just have more talent than everybody, and so it's yeah. I, I it's do probably too. I a little easy. What about what about old Jim Bob? Jim Bob Cooter. Yep. Jim Bob Cooter. Heck, the, the quarterback guy. Heck, I mean, he's doing a lot with pieces that aren't aren't a plus i mean i really like golden tate but none of their other receivers are and their running backs top are trash. the running backs are trash matt stafford's good yeah but and their offensive not, line isn't much to speak of either yeah i mean if you if you were gonna hire jim bob cooter you wouldn't really get an argument for me yep no not not for me either but i don't think it's I think the I Eagles, don't think it's McVay. Who's the who's the offensive coordinator of the Eagles? De Filippo's the quarterback coach. I don't know who the offensive coordinator is. No, Pat, Pat Shermer's the Vikings offensive coordinator. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Uh, which I mean, he he probably deserves credit too. Like he should get another head coaching. Pat Shermer's doing a great job with holy, the Vikings. Holy crap! He's, like he's doing so, like the Vikings are amazing. Where was yeah. that Pat Shermer on the Browns? How come all of the ideal was, coaching candidates for the Browns have been previous Browns head coaches? Yeah, like why can we come back? Why can we have kept Bill Belichick? Like what? What would we be now? Don't mention that around Dad. He'll start foaming at the mouth. <laughs> um, the Eagles' offensive coordinator is uh, Frank Reich. Frank Reich. Reich. Huh. Reich. R e i c h. But doesn't Doug Peterson call the plays? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I think Doug Peterson calls the plays this, up there. This was a quick Google search, so that would make sense. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the other teams that are overachieving this year who might have coordinators that are good. Well, the, I mean, the Rams. But I don't know who that's their offensive Sean, coordinator is. That's Sean though. McVay. I mean, he calls the plays and him. can't get him. But, like, Matt LaFour is their uh, – is there OC? Yeah, it's probably too early. Yeah, but early he needs a couple that, but... more years before he's going to be able to make the jump. If I like would, he's I... not actually involved calling the plays or anything like that. I would be fine with Josh McDaniels though. 
I mean, like, he had his chance and it didn't go well. And then he's sitting on a Patriots team for the past, under Bill Belichick, for the past however many years it's been since he coached in Denver. No, like, I've always thought a coach on their second go-round is a lot better than their the first time around. They learn a lot of stuff and take it back and have a different perspective. I always think that it's better for a guy on his second time around than the first time. But Yeah, like Hugh Jackson. It is how I talk to myself, <laughs> part of how I talk to myself into Hugh Jackson. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk about all of our other head coaches that we've had in the past couple years. So we have Hugh Jackson. Before that, we had Mike Pettin. Then the Chud, uh, Pat Shermer, who we said is doing really great, um, Eric Mangini, and Romeo Cornell. Which of those coaches would you most want to have back on our team right now coaching? Like, or would you rather have Hugh? Or would you rather have Hugh? This is the thing. Like When Hugh was hired, I said, oh, my goodness, this is like the best hire we've had in I can't remember how long. Well, like, because the hiring process went so smoothly. Like, the Petten hiring process was a disaster. The Chud hiring process was a disaster. As far as, like, we offered the job to all these people and they took other jobs and whatnot. Yeah, and the, the this Shermer. This felt like, the for the first time, in the Shermer The Shermer one was the same was thing. It was like, oh, my gosh. Who, I, I didn't even know who he was. I was like, who is this sad sack that we just <laughs> hired? <laughs> like, I do not want this but guy when to be we hired, But when we hired Jackson, it was seemingly the target that we went after and we got him yeah. and everybody else wanted him and the Browns got him. And so that's, so here's the thing. What it seems, my assessment of that situation that you just laid out, Matthew, is that when Jimmy Haslam is the only one making the decisions and can put on the hard sell, he brings in his guy, but then he's not willing to let that guy take the reins and like make decisions later on, which causes problems. The reason that the that those hires, like the Chudzinski hire and the Petten hire, were so terrible is because there was another person with a strong opinion in the room that was told he was supposed to run the football operation, Joe Banner. And Joe Banner and Jimmy Haslam didn't always see eye to eye, and I think that's why those things did not go as they were supposed to because I'm pretty sure that Joe Banner really liked Doug Marone and wanted to hire Doug Marone, and we ended up with Rob Chudzinski instead. I just, I really thought that this was like the front office, like this was the organizational structure that was going to finally allow us to work together, but it did not I'd, work I'd, in any way. Yeah, no, it'd be, it's hard to argue that Doug Marone would be a bad choice. I mean, with what he did in Buffalo and the way he left Buffalo was weird where he chose not to like come back, oh, yeah. which was, which was bizarre, but Hey, I'll do, do your thing. But then what he's done in Jacksonville has been amazing. Yeah. With I mean, essentially is, that same team that um, Dan Quinn had. Not Dan Quinn. Uh, what's mm. his face down there had? Gus Bradley. Gus Bradley. Um, I mean, they've made improvements. I don't want to throw Gus Bradley under the bus entirely. But um, definitely Marone has made a difference there. And my point is is that Haslam just kind of seems to get in the way. In a lot of in a lot of ways, and wants his voice to be known, and it's I mean it's his prerogative, it's his freaking team, but it's getting in the way of success, and so like I I will hold firm to the fact that I think we would be a successful team now if he had left Joe Banner in charge, and the over like the constant overhaul is been a direct result of Jimmy Haslam and nobody else. And if he had stayed the course, he could have had a successful team. They were laying the right groundwork. 
and he just keeps building it over. And that's why I'm concerned right now with Sashi being sent in and John Dorsey coming in. Like if he really does clean house in the front office and they have a whole new mentality, like I think it's going to be bad news. Yeah, it'll almost certainly be bad news. I mean, it's amazing that we could mess up what we're doing right now. Like I had so much hope for so long. Well, that's my like all these. That's drafting. my point. We were in a good spot, and Sashi put us there, and yeah. then he's the one that got sent packing. Here's so. here's the the only optimistic part of this, and how this is different than when we cleaned house with Joe Banner previously. When we sent Joe Banner packing and brought and elevated Sashi to the top spot and whatnot, we had we weren't winning football games. We didn't have a quarterback. We had a really old roster and we weren't in a good cap situation. No, you're right. All of those things are the opposite now. We're we're basically like an open book. We're was was Sashi... we're, we're whatever we want to be at this point. We've got a ton of young players on the team. Whether they're talented enough to stick around or not is fine, but a bunch of them are. We're in a great cap situation. We've got a ton of draft picks. Like was Sashi just there to be the scapegoat? to create this situation so that then we could hire someone else. Who knows? But like whatever happens, as long as we go forward from here and have stability, like we're starting in a freaking great spot. So like if nothing else, Jimmy has them just keep, now that you've hired John Dorsey, just keep him, let him be your Joe Banner. Just keep him for as, as long as you want and go build a successful football team because he's got everything in front of him that he could ever ask for. I agree. Time will tell with John Dorsey. The th- I'm su- I'm pretty concerned about like his cap management and stuff like that going forward. Yeah. Like I felt so confident knowing that Sashi was in control and knew the ins and outs of every single little piece of the business side but, of what's going on. And like some of those things are just remain to be seen with Dorsey. But Paul D. Podesto is still there. As far as for like now. for for now, hopefully, and he stays. That would be amazing. But like as far as like cap management and making wise decisions about who you're going to sign and when and for why, like looking forward in the future, I think he can mitigate that risk and be like, no, look, John, you're being an idiot. That's not a wise move. Like Paul, at least for now, he's going to keep a keep a rein on that. But one of the things that John Dorsey's done since he came in here, I just I don't know what I think about that. Um, he comes in and he says, is calling out all the players in the locker room and saying that the previous regime didn't draft real players. Like, I don't really know what that means, drafting real players, but I I don't think that it's a good move to just walk in and immediately insult your team. There, there's a, it's football, I know. And there's a kind of mentality behind like, you know, like bring them down to have them prove to you that they're like good enough to play on this team. But like, but like, I'm of the opinion that it's not the player's fault. It's the coaching fault. And they're, and they're trying their best with the exception of Kenny Britt and maybe now Josh Gordon. I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts, Matthew? Michael? I mean, if you're going to go out in a press conference and say something like that, at least give, give us a, a list and start interview. a radio interview, whatever. Yeah, come on our podcast. Uh, yeah, do that. <laughs> uh, but give us names of players. Like – like, who are you talking about is not a real player? Because when you go out and say that, every single player who was drafted by that regime or brought in by that regime now assumes you're talking about them and is pissed. Because it's not Larry Ogunjobi. Yeah. He's amazing. It's not Miles Garrett. He's playing great. It's not Ogba. It's not Ogba. 
He's fantastic. Yeah. Like I don't I just don't know. Like those are the men it's not of Body Calhoun who's playing great and was undrafted. It's it, not It might be Ricardo Lewis. That's fair. <laughs> so when Jordan I first Payton. heard so when yeah. I first heard the quote, like it really pissed me off. Like it really pissed me off whenever he said it. For that very reason. Because it's like, all right, you just said this and then you're gonna have to go into the locker room and deal with these players. And these are the same players you're gonna have to be negotiating like future contracts with and everything like that. That's a really good way to start things off. Like that it just made me mad. And then I wondered if um, – and I haven't heard anybody say this, so I have no idea if this is true. And I didn't hear the full context of the original conversation in his comments. But I almost wonder if he's talking about free agents. Like free agents that they brought in. Because I could actually make the case that that's a pretty decent point if you're talking about free agents that he's brought in. But I don't think that was the context of it. And the first thing he did whenever he came in here was cut Kenny Britt, which – immediately bought him some favor with the fan base, which I love. And I think it's hilarious. True. And I would say too, if you, if he had just said, if his quote was they didn't bring in enough real players, like I think no one would have an argument against that. I mean, like everyone knows we need some more depth and better talent on the team. But, it's but he like, said, even that, even that wording, like real players, that's what I'm saying. I don't know what like, that means. What does that mean? Like, you can say we don't have enough talent on this team. We don't have enough guys with experience who we know can perform at this level. But, like, all of these guys are real football players. Like, they're all going out there and, like, trying to do this for a living and, like, have done it at a high level yeah. in college. Like, what are you talking about real football players? Like, these these are real football players. Yeah, like, just the definition of the word. They are real football players, John. <laughs> like, John, they're not imaginary. Get that through your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my my thing too is they, they're like, tangible. It makes, <laughs> you can touch them. It makes me think that he has like such an entirely different but, philosophy but on. Don't what touch type them like player. Jerry Richardson would. Just <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Did you hear some of the stuff that this dude would do? Yeah. Did you read he, that he like, Sports Illustrated article? Yeah. He was like, "Can I shave your legs or something?" <laughs> Yes. Wait, 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 wait. This is the Panthers owner who's wait. selling the team now. Oh, I didn't hear yeah. that at all. Whose legs did he ask to shave? Some employee female who I assume was female. of the Panthers. Really? He asked the to shave move, a... F- the other move that made my skin crawl a little bit was that Ugh. he would invite random female employees out to lunch, an invitation that they basically weren't allowed to decline. Yeah. And then would... Be a gentleman, of course, and open the door for them. But get this. His next step was he insisted on putting on the seatbelt for them after he opened the door. Oh, my gosh. And would graze his hand across them on a on frequent occasions. Ugh. That's... Isn't that disgusting? Here's the thing. Like... You're Jerry Richardson. You own the Panthers. They're worth $2 billion. Like, like just go get, get a, a hooker. Prostitute. Yeah, just go get a hooker, man. <laughs> like, 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 there's no excuse for treating people like that, but, like, you can pay people to treat like that. Yeah, no, uh, that's... We are not endorsing uh, prostitution on this not, podcast. Not in any way. But, like, that probably would have been a more wise decision for him. Anyways, I just... That was, uh, that is... was uh, an aside... Um, yeah, so that that is very cringeworthy. I hope P. Diddy, Diddy 
what is he going by now? He Diddy. had something else. It's Diddy. It's I Diddy. I think he, he had was some... going to go by Brother Love, but that Brother that, Love. That didn't That's last what it was. Very long. All right, so Brother Love is going to buy the no, Carolina he's, Panthers, he's, but he's not Brother Love. Okay, so Diddy's going to buy the uh, Carolina Panthers, and um, Steph Curry, Steph Curry wants Curry in. said he wanted in. And did you see that the video that Diddy put out though? No, I didn't. He referred to them as the North Carolina Panthers, <laughs> and he he said that he would bring Kaepernick in to Day to one. start. <laughs> Which is like, there's a lot of teams where you could say that, that that would make a lot of sense. The Carolina, Carolina Panthers is not, not one, one of them. them. Like, you've got Cam Newton, and he's doing just fine, and, and he's, he's going to be just fine. He's certainly better than Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. I mean, like, to even, be fair, if you wanted to bring in Colin Kaepernick, you could trade Cam Newton and get a King's Ransom. Like, that wouldn't be a bad – that wouldn't be a bad call. I mean, or even bring him in. But, I mean, not to start. Like, Cam's pretty much got that on lockdown, and even Kaepernick probably does that. Yeah, that's true. Um, that would be crazy. That would be a crazy mix-up. Um, so, we're going to slow it down here a little bit. Okay, guys? You know what we're going to talk jams. about? We're going to talk about the smooth, sultry, sensitive shave of Barbasol. Hey, Matthew, why don't you squeeze a little bit of that Barbasol into the mic so our listeners can hear exactly what that sounds like. Oh, yeah. You hear that? Hear that, listeners? Matthew just squirted Barbasol into his beer. Barbasol. One second. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh, we're so terrible at this. I wasn't going to do it. I'm like, I, I had it pulled <laughs> I had it it pulled up, and I was going to do the live read, but then I had to type in my password to pull up the read because I didn't have it saved, and then Matthew was doing that. No, stop it. (laughs) Matthew just squirted smooth Barbasol onto my hat, and I'm very thankful for it. All right, listeners. Go ahead, Matthew. Jerry Richardson with love. Barbasol. Jerry Richardson. The official shave cream of the Carolina Panthers. You just associated Barbasol with Donald Trump and Jerry Richardson on this pod. Screw you, Matthew. <laughs> Screw you, man. That's our sponsor. That's our sponsor. All right. Barbasol. The brand America trusts for a close shave now has razors. Premium disposable razors with an advanced pivoting head and ultra thin blades. You're looking good, America. There was. I did it. It happened. I'm just saying, if you want the best shave, you're going with Barbasol. No, that's absolutely true. Matthew is currently does not know what to do with the shaving cream on his hands. Yeah, we need we need rags or something. Yeah, something to get that that shave cream off. All right. I seriously will use Barbasol. So I do have a full beard. I will um, be honest with the listeners. I have a full beard, but I do still shave my neck because I'm not a savage, and I shave my upper cheeks. And I am using Barbasol shave cream. They do have razors now, and you can also use those. Michael, you had, saw something on Twitter earlier yeah. this week that you wanted so, to talk about. It's kind of like a, a thought experiment. What do you have? Yeah, so I got to give credit where credit's due. Um, everyone's favorite locksmith, uh, Jeremy and Akron. He, he posed a good question. And so um, I thought it was <laughs> – why are you laughing? Um he posed a good question. He asked uh, everyone in the Twitter sphere yesterday, right now, if you could choose, would you rather have Miles Garrett or would you rather have Jimmy Garoppolo? Which is a good question because before last year's draft, I don't think anyone in their right mind would have actually selected that they would give up the first pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. 
Yeah, I'd be pissed. But given that Jimmy has won three straight games as starter in San Francisco, won all five of his NFL starts, I think people are debate it would debate that at this point. And honestly, since our quarterback situation is so unsettled, I might be inclined to take Jimmy. I I just kind of want to know what you guys think about that. So, so here here's my perspective. No, I would rather have Miles Garrett. And also, I would have been so pissed if we had traded the first overall pick for Jimmy Garoppolo because just because Jimmy has turned out to be a good starter and has won three games for San Francisco doesn't make like in in hindsight it's 2020 but if we had made that decision like i don't think that it would have been the right decision based on the information that we had at the time so like just because the results seem to say that he is worth it and could be a serviceable maybe like top 10 top 15 quarterback in the nfl i don't think that you make that decision um and he's gonna have to be re-signed next year to a whole crap ton of money and it's like i i see jimmy g as maybe no different than like kirk cousins um, he's only played three games. He's won all five of the starts that he's had. Yeah, well, he was on the Patriots before that. With very little talent on that San Francisco roster. Like, yeah, I, but a I, but a really good play calling football coach. Yeah, true. Which, you know, which, which helps. You know what Kyle Shanahan can do. I we mean, were so good on look, offense with Kyle. Look, Shanahan. here's the thing: if Kyle Shanahan was our head coach, we would have three or four wins at this point in the season too. Oh, we would have more than that. And I'm certain that we'd probably have Jimmy Garoppolo too. Yeah, probably. Like, <laughs> I don't know. So uh, what, what do you think, man? Here's the thing. No, I don't. I'd rather be in this situation. It's a hard question to answer right now because it, it is kind of a question asking you to like look in hindsight. Um, yep. I would rather be in the situation the Browns are currently in, I think, than the situation that the 49ers are in because yeah. we get yeah. miles Garrett on a rookie deal. And now we are have the ta- number are, one overall wait, pick. Are you talking about just miles Garrett, Jimmy Garoppolo situation or like the Browns as a whole, San Francisco as a whole? I'm talking the, the, as a whole, but okay. I mean, even if we say we had gotten Garoppolo and he won a couple games for us and we didn't have miles Garrett, we don't have the number one pick. Like who are we going to get? Our D line is terrible. If Ogba goes down, who our starting D line is Orchard and Nassib. We don't have that. And then yeah. we're paying a bunch of money to Garoppolo for being who knows what. Like he's gonna because quarterbacks are scarce in this league, you don't even have to be that good and you're gonna get paid just based on when you become a free agent. Yeah. Like Kirk Cousins thing, is gonna though. be the highest paid player in the league next year, and he's nowhere near the best player in the league. So my thing is, is we have a young roster. We can afford to take on that um, salary. And I think what we've seen is the biggest weakness on this team is just really, really poor quarterback play. And now the coaching plays into it. But if we had a quarterback, we would be winning football games and we would be on the right track. And so it's just hard for me to pass up the quarterback. As much as I love Miles Garrett, I do think I would actually go with Jimmy Garoppolo. As, uh, I mean... I love Miles Garrett, but to have the quarterback question answered, like, yes, we have the first overall pick, but who knows if we get the right guy? I mean, it's just there. It's so hard yeah, to find who, a starting quarterback. Can we? And I'm so yeah, yeah. That like Jimmy looking, is looking a starting quarterback. So yeah, like 100. percent Looking back, and you say like, then yes, we should have done that. That would be nice. Like, 
I've still only seen Jimmy Garoppolo play three games and the two games at New England. I still don't think that's a big enough sample size. Um, when, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. When, when he's being coached by Kyle Shanahan and um, Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. Like, if, if Hugh was coaching him, who knows what he'd be? Like, I don't know. And if – so, like, looking back, but I still don't think that I would do it. But if he was guaranteed to be what he's been in those five games, then yes, because we'll be undefeated forever. Can we talk about how good Miles Garrett would be on New England? <laughs> I don't want to think about that. Oh. oh, my gosh. He'd be the second coming. Like, yeah. Like, he'd be Lawrence Taylor. It would be very scary. What, or, what New England does with, like, mediocre defensive ends, if they got Miles Garrett... Jabal Sheard's amazing over was amazing over there. Like, yeah, that'd be something. I mean, it'd be fun to watch. I'm, I'm glad he's he's with us, yeah, and not feel, them. But he'd be fun to watch. I love all of our players and but, all the crap Miles Garrett's getting this season for being a a bust or whatever bullshit. Like yeah, people are that's talking the about most ridiculous. It's I, ridiculous. That's, that's the thing that pisses me off. So so much is like the way that the Browns fans, like they're not helping themselves in the way that they just, I mean, maybe it's all teams and this is just the one that I'm like intimately a part of, but they are just so quick. And Hugh Jackson honestly is too, to like jump on people. And like, he's not encouraging to Deshaun Kaiser. And like, everyone is saying like, he's like Miles Garrett's a piece of trash. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. Like, I don't know how you change that culture. Maybe it's just some, everyone's so hard and callous that they can't say anything but negative things. They're just looking for one person to come in and automatically fix everything. Which is ridiculous. It's, it's Tony Grossi's like, mentality has seeped and tainted the entire fan base. The, the quick fix, <laughs> that, there, that there is a quick fix yeah, and mentality? That, and that everything that we're doing is wrong and that there's not one right move that's ever been made, ever. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, you could take that was just the third sneeze on the pod. That's third and fourth. Third and fourth. Nice, Michael. You're Sorry, hopefully we stop at three and four. Michael, you are seventy-five percent of the pod sneezes. Just so you know, I'm still yet to get my Woo! introduction. I'm feeling a little better now. All right, I'm back. Great. I mean, you could put JJ Watt in his prime on the Browns, and we're not going to the playoffs. <laughs> so, right. like, I don't know what you expected from Miles Garrett. Other than to go out there and be in like an individual impactful player, and he has been, he has been, and he's getting double teamed just about every single freaking play. He was getting at least one sack a game until Ogba went out. the The only valid criticism I have of Miles Garrett is that he needs to stay on sides and look at the ball. I mean, yeah. it seems like he jumps off sides once a game. He didn't this week. He did. No, not he did. Week. He was no, called he for did. offsides early in the early in the game on that Jeremy Macklin play. Where Jeremy Macklin got hurt um, uh, after he got hit by Peppers, Garrett was offside. I was, I was uh, putting one of my kids down for a nap whenever that happened. Legitimately, that's what happened. All right, all right. Let's move on. Let's uh, move on to the lines, Michael. You have the lines for this week. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. Let's finish. Podcast. Let's finish this up. Makes me sad thinking about all the fans. All right, Matt. Matthew rallied to keep himself relevant what, in what? this little contest. Good for him. Don't get too excited. You're still in last place. <laughs> uh, can we? Okay, Matthew, I know you do the editing, but can you go back to the first week where you like guaranteed a victory for yourself because you were smarter than both of us? 
I am. I'll do that before the last week if it comes true. When you lose. Okay, great. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, bro. So there's no Thursday game this week. There's two Saturday games. So we're just going to call the two Saturday games and then the Browns game. Okay. Um, first Saturday game is Indy at Baltimore. And the Baltimore Ravens are favored by 13 and a half points. Matthew, what do you say? 13 and a half is a ton of points, but they are at home. Indy's not very good. Man, though, I'm going to go Indy here. I think, I think Indy, um, Indy's scrappy. They're, they're not good at any one thing. They just kind of like fight. I don't think Baltimore's as good as their record. Um, so they, I'll take Indy plus the points. They both beat us pretty good. That's true. We almost beat Indy. Mm-hmm. We came back. We should have won that game had we not just like crapped the bed in the first half. Inactive. Speaking the of whole teams, inactive. I don't know why the Indy game made me think of Kaysen Williams because I don't think he really did much. The Indy game was the uh, game where what's his face had that crazy one-handed catch. Jordan Leslie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but do you know Kaysen Williams is still in our practice squad? That's yeah. good. Blows my he mind. might get stolen back. I, it's funny to me. Anyways, I saw that today and was surprised. Mark, what's your pick? India, Baltimore, Baltimore favored by 13 and a half. 13 and a half is a lot of points. So I'm going to go with Indianapolis. I uh, I think that they can hold it close. Hopefully they pull out a W and hurt Baltimore's playoff chances and move on up the ladder to giving us the first and second overall pick. Matthew, you did the math earlier about what the odds are that Baltimore, or Baltimore no, sorry, Indianapolis wins out and – the uh, Giants Bears. went out. Oh, Giants. Giants yeah. went out so that we get the number one and number two pick. What is it? Yeah, so I used 538's um, percentages for, like, win likelihood. But there is a uh, 0.5% chance that that Houston pick falls to number two, which would require Houston winning or losing out the Giants and Indianapolis winning out. Um, Indy has a 8.6% chance to win out. So you're saying there's a chance. You're saying there's a chance. Hey, it's a good enough chance. My, I've said this over and over again, like, between us. Like, all I really care about is that the Texans lose out. If the Texans lose out, we're going to have a top five pick, and that's going to be a beautiful thing. That Colts, Michael, you said it this week, that that Colts-Houston game in week 17 is literally going to be our Super Bowl. Like, oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's going to matter so much for that draft pick. Especially I, I if think I'll switch Colts over at win. halftime and watch that. There's no way if it's the same time as the Browns Steelers. Like I'm yeah. gonna be much more inclined to watch the Texans uh, Colts. I would honestly rather us. Well, I guess if we win a game and still get the number one pick, I want that. But anyway, back to the point at hand. I'm going. Right, so, I'm going um, with the Colts. I'm. I'm gonna be contrarian and just try to win a game here and pick the pick the Ravens. I was originally inclined to take the Colts, but. I'm trying to make up two games, so I'm picking the Ravens. Brings us to Minnesota at Green Bay. Minnesota favored by three points. Um, Mark, what is your pick? Minnesota at Green Bay. Minnesota favored by three. Please be Minnesota. Please be heads. Hey, heads. I'm going with Minnesota. All right. Matthew. Yeah, I got to go Minnesota here. I don't think um, <laughs> Green Bay is – <laughs> Green Bay is a way out of this, especially with Aaron Rodgers uh, maybe playing, maybe not playing. Uh, Minnesota is still playing for playoff position. I think that Minnesota. Is... 
What is Mark laughing about? <laughs> He's doing literally the strangest thing I've ever seen right now. He poured all the shave gel, the Barbasol shaving cream, um, on top of the beer bottle. And there's like all the shaving cream, and he's just like, <laughs> "What is that? A pen? It's a it's a bolt of some kind." He's just, he's literally just shoving this bolt in the neck of the bottle, and it's just making all the shaving cream like puff up and down. Okay. And he's just like staring at it like a weirdo. Okay, you guys are dumb. This is what you do whenever your team sucks, and you gotta talk about them for an hour every week. I'm sick of it. All right, so I I don't see any way Green Bay wins this either. I mean, we almost beat Green Bay. And uh, Minnesota's a good football team. And Matthew and Mark this is, are like... This is getting messy. Side. This is getting messy over here with this shaving cream. All right. So moving on. we all pick Minnesota, which leads us to the Browns at the Bears. Probably our last decent chance of a win on this season. The Bears are favored by six and a half at home. And I am going to pick the Browns because I have faith and hope. You pick that we're going to win this game? Kaiser roller coaster took a dip, but it's going to come back up just like it always does. He's going to look decent. He was and... officially announced as the starter today, which oh, seemed, seemed well... unnecessary. But... <laughs> Do you think it's... we're going to win this game, Michael? Um, Lord, I hope we win. I I have no, I don't think we're going to win, but I certainly hope so. It's a hope and a prayer at this point. If the Texans um, win out, it doesn't matter. But if the Texans win a game and we beat Chicago, that could be bad for the Texans pick. Uh, I want to win a game. It feels so bad to lose every freaking week. I want to Mark, see. I want to see that zero and sixteen parade. Anyway, what is? What does um, your coin say? My coin says that we are going to not win, but at least cover. So Got the I'm going Browns, with the Browns. Huh? I'm going with you. All right. Good news, brother. Matthew. I have a hard time because I don't look at Chicago and think they're any good. Their defense isn't very good. Mitch Trubisky hasn't been very good. He hasn't been asked to do a lot. They have a hard time throwing the ball. They run the ball decent, I guess, but that runs right into our strength on defense. Exactly. But y'all both picked Cleveland, and I got to make up some points, so I'm going Chicago. <laughs> no, but I think you make a good point. I mean, their strength is running the ball, and that is and that's by far all they our do strength. well. Yeah, that's all we so, do well on defense. So it'll be interesting it's to see Jaguars if we can actually situation. force. Be interesting to see if we could actually force a Trubisky interception or two in this game. I mean, it's rookie quarterback versus rookie quarterback. It's going to be some ugly quarterback play. Yeah, there's a little bit of randomness that's going to get thrown in here where we we might be able to sneak one out. Maybe we'll even recover a fumble. I also Wouldn't did, that be nice? That would be. No, that's that too would, much to ask, Michael. Oh, my gosh. We're not recovering a fumble, okay? That would be incredible. <laughs> I will, I'll shave my legs on the podcast. If we recover, next one, week, if if we we recover, recover one fumble. With Barbasol, shave gel, and razors. Shaving cream. Stop calling it gel. gel it's shaving it's cream. Shaving cream. Thick and, thick and rich. It really is. Um, it's very thick. If we recover a freaking fumble, I'll One shave fumble. my legs during wow. the pod next week. Wow. Even if we fumble it and we recover it. No, 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 no. If we recover an opposition fumble. Like there, Can there's... I pull a Jerry Richardson and shave the legs for you? Since You'll I'm be, be here. Yes. 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 <laughs> you be Jerry. I will be, I will be a... Susie from the office? Yes. All right. I'm going to... 
we're gonna record this strange foreplay, <laughs> this foreplay that Michael and Matthew are planning. Uh, all right, all right. Let's well, move on it. from that. That was weird. Um, all right, no, no, hold on. I disagree with Michael's um, claim that this is our best chance for a win. I've said this whole year that Week 17 against Pittsburgh, when Pittsburgh is going to be resting players because they have very little to play for. They do. They have home. They'll probably have home field advantage to play for. But no, they, they lost. They lost, lost to New England, and they're probably going to get the second seed. New England's probably going to have locked up the first seed. But that's only if New England loses, wins out. Antonio Brown's going to be out. If they don't have much to play for, Le'Veon Bell's not going to play. I can't believe the end of that game. Big Ben won't play. We're going to be playing Josh Dobbs without Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell. That's a terrible Pittsburgh offense without those people. And we're a terrible Browns defense. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But it's strength on strength at that point. Um, all right. Well, look forward to that. Maybe a potential win. Um, thanks so much for listening, guys. We appreciate you all. Um, we wouldn't do what we do without you guys listening. So thanks so much. As always, send us an email, sinofourfathers at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. Interact with us. Like our tweets, talk to us, and we can uh, get some connection with you guys. Um, And if you feel so inclined, leave a review on our uh, podcast page on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Go Browns. See ya. Go Browns.